Jesus, we love you. And we come as your church this morning to say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. We are thankful for what you've done for us, Lord, for the price you paid on the cross, God. We're undeserving, but yet you went there anyway because you loved us. And we as your people stand this morning and we say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God because you are God and you are good and you are holy and we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for just being with us. You are so good. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prophecy is something is found in the New Testament in the teachings of Jesus about one-fifth of all his teachings is prophecy. Prophecy has some purpose. Prophecy glorifies God. When a prophecy happens and uh, it is said that something's going to take place and then years later, many times hundreds of years later, and it happens, it glorifies God. There's no question it was God that made that happen. He gave that prophecy to the uh, uh, prophet and he spoke and it came to be. And so that glorifies God. Nobody can claim credit for what that took place. Prophecy is also evidence of God. It allows us to see that he is divine, that he is supernatural, that there's no one equal to him, there's no one beyond him. It gives faith some credibility. When believers understand some prophecies and they understand it, it helps them to, to be anchored deep into the foundation of the Lord. It helps us to rest in the truth. It helps us uh, when the world says that people of faith uh, lack credibility, they are foolish, they are unwise, they are duped into believing in God and believing in the cross and believing in uh, the things that Jesus has said and done and believing the things that Jesus said that he is going to do and it gives evidence or, or credibility to faith. Prophecy validates the rest of God's word. It helps us to believe in it. It helps us to trust in it. Um, prophecy is what anchors into understanding that God's word are the Bible is, is the word of the Lord. It's, as, it's put into place for our benefit so God can communicate to us. Prophecy is motivation. Prophecy uh, helps us understand how limited time is, that there is a time limit on the world that we have, uh, that Jesus is going to return. Prophecy is very clear about that. Prophecy gives us inspiration and motivation to repent of our sins, to believe in God, to trust in Him. Uh, we are with, uh, with the hope that prophecy gives us in the return of Christ. Uh, it helps us to march forward during persecution. It helps us to be faithful when difficult times happen. Uh, because we understand that when Jesus returns, uh, wrongs will be righted. And if you sit around and think about all the wrongs that are taking place, all the injustice that happens, um, all the things that are taking place in our world, that you just sit back and you go, you know, that's just not right. 
People shouldn't treat other people that way. There shouldn't be this kind of deal. When we see how leadership and politicians are so uh, trapped with power and the hunger for power and how they're more concerned with their sales and their position than they are with the benefit of other people, we go, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. And when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom, those wrongs are going to be righted and Satan will be destroyed at the return of Christ. So all these prophecies about the second coming, they are beneficial to us. They help us to understand some things that we need to understand. Matthew 24 is where we're going to look at today in the Scripture, primarily. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. I've got a slide for you here today, so slide number one. I want you to see what they saw when they looked at the temple. Now this is a uh, model of the, of the temple, the second temple that was uh, there during the day of Jesus when he was on the earth. We have here, that's the Eastern Gate. You've heard many songs about the Eastern Gate. Here we have the uh, Holy of Holies is inside that largest of the buildings. Now, when you look at this, you're looking at this. We are on the Mount of Olives right here, looking down. As we will see here, that's the same place where Jesus looks down. And uh, this wall right here, you can see this is the Kidron Valley. And, and this wall really does increase in depth because this, uh, this valley slopes from uh, the north to the south right here. Uh, all, you see all the, the court of Gentiles around. You see the court of, of the Jews right here. And so there'd be all this activity, but inside this door right here, this, you would go through here, and this is where the sacrifice would be made and this is where uh, the, tent, the, uh, the tent or the, the uh, curtain that was torn when Jesus died on the cross was right in front of this opening right here. And from the floor of the temple to the top of this roof, this door right here, was approximately 120 feet. Now, from, now you see all around, uh, this is the Antonio Fortress. Inside here is where the crown of thorns were put on Jesus' head. And outside this wall right here that was present in the day of Jesus is Golgotha, is where Jesus was placed on the cross and later into the tomb and rose from the grave. Uh, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C. and seen our Capitol building, it's huge. It's, it's a, the first time that I saw our Capitol building, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I just went, that's just the biggest thing I've ever seen. It was huge. Not only tall, but wide. And even today, with all the skyscrapers and all the tall buildings that are in uh, Washington, D.C., the Capitol building is impressive. It, it definitely is a sign of strength. It's, a, it's just a beautiful building, I think, and it's quite enormous. Now, from the Kidron Valley, and so if you're walking up here, if you're on the, if you're on the uh, Mount of Olives looking down, 
I believe our Capitol building from the ground floor to the very pinnacle, the top of the spire and top of the dome, it's like 280 feet or so. Now, this wasn't 280 feet from being on the ground here to the, to the pinnacle of, of the uh, uh, temple building, but it's like 245 feet. It's huge. And especially when you look around Jerusalem and you see one and two-story homes, that's all you see. They're, they're just, it wasn't many tall buildings. The Antonio Fortress was quite an impressive uh, facility, of course, and, but nothing compared to this. And so if you're walking from Jericho to Jerusalem and you come over the Mount of Olives, this is what you would see. And, and this would be unbelievably impressive. It would, be, it would blow you away. And, and the Jews had tremendous faith in this facility. It's where the Holy of Holies was. It's where they would go and they would take the scapegoat and it would be sacrificed in there. It's where their sins were forgiven. It's where they could communicate with God. It was where their atonement happened. So this is unbelievable. And uh, uh, these, the, this wall that's right here, and uh, this wall that's right here, these blocks, it's very difficult on, on this model to see, and we can see in just a moment on another picture, but, but these blocks, some are two ton, uh, uh, they weigh two tons. There's been some studies done about how in the world these Jews were able to lift up some of those, uh, those stones into place in, in this wall. And so you just be blown away. So here in Matthew 24, when the disciples point out the buildings of the temple, they're going, isn't this something? Isn't this unbelievable? Look at how big these buildings are. Look at, look at how, man, it's just, they're just so huge. It's, it's so grandiose that are there. And Jesus answered them. He says, let's go back to slide one. He says, you see all these? You see all these buildings? Do you not truly... I say to you, these will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, if we're down in Austin and we're standing on the steps of the Capitol building and I said to you, y'all listen to me, you see how big this building is? It's going to be knocked down. It's going to be knocked down. It's going to be knocked down to the floor. Matter of fact, it's going to be destroyed so thoroughly that there's not going to be one stone left. You would look at me and you would go, you're crazy. You're nuts. How in the world could that happen? Now, turn over in your Bible to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. So Jesus tells the disciples when they're fascinated with that building, he says, not one stone be left. It says in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, when Jesus sees the city, he sees, back to slide one, please. 
That's what he sees. He's on the Mount of Olives looking down at the temple. That's what he sees. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So we see over here is the, uh, the city of David. This is Mount Zion up here. This is where all the high priests lived and all the wealthy people lived. Over here is where all the working people lived. And he, all these homes that are through here, you see these mighty walls that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. It's, it's a fortification. It's gigantic. It's unbelievable. It's a, a source of pride, a source of strength for the nation of Israel. It's unbelievable. And when Jesus comes over the Mount of Olives in this triumphant entry, one week before He passes away, He dies on the cross, it says, when He drew near and saw the city, He wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. Once again, those, those disciples looking at that temple hearing Jesus say, this complex is going to be completely destroyed. You would think there's absolutely no way that's going to happen. It's going to be torn down to the ground and it says, you and your children within you and, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, the time of your visitation is the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus says, because you missed me coming into the world, you are going to experience a judgment that's beyond your comprehension. It is going to be an event that is going to be so destructive that it's going, to be, it's going to be able, the force that's going to come against you is going to be able to knock your capitol building down to the ground. You, once again, on the Mount of Olives, looking down on slide one in that temple complex, you're thinking, how in the world can that be? Let's look at slide number two. That's, that's the wall. That's the eastern gate that we're looking at. So we were a little bit more looking from this area uh, north of the eastern gate, but that temple building sat right there. Now, that was taken a couple years ago. That temple is no longer there. It's gone. It's gone. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going to Washington, D.C. today and the Capitol's gone? Can you imagine driving down to Austin and you're going on, on 35, you look across there, and that Capitol building that you've seen for years is gone. It's gone. Jesus said that this temple complex, this huge complex, this is the Dome of the Rock, this is the Al-Aska Mosque that's there now on the Temple Mount, 
that that temple building sat approximately right in here that was much taller than the, the, the Dome of the Rock, and it would have sat with a pinnacle up in this area. You can see these huge buildings that are back behind here. That are, then you can see how uh, Jerusalem has built up. And, and Jesus said that that huge complex is going to be knocked down in 70 A.D. And so approximately, you know, 40 some odd years after Jesus gave this prophecy, the Romans had enough of the Jews and they completely destroyed the Temple Mount. Now, this, this wall that's here now, now some of the, the rock there most likely is part of the original wall, but it, it was rebuilt through the years. They tore the wall down. They burned what could be burned. Uh, it, it, it says that when the Romans began to tear down the wall and tear down the temple, that they set fire to it, and that many of the gold pieces that were on the walls of the temple, in the, in the temple wall that were ornate and beautiful, melted because of the heat. Jesus said that. Jesus said, look at the Washington Capitol. Look at the Austin, Texas Capitol. Look at this. This huge building. Look at the holy temple. The place where God resides. Because you missed the time of this visitation, not one stone will be left in place. It happened. And you can see today, there is no temple. And not only is there no temple, but Jews are not allowed to go on that temple. Back right in 1999, I think it was, uh, uh, the prime minister was in the Knesset having a meeting. And they were talking about how horrible it is there in Jerusalem in the Jewish land and nation of Israel that Jews are not allowed to go on the Temple Mount. And Sharon said, I'll show you that it's allowed. And he left the office and he went. And on the back side, we'll see here in just a moment, we'll see the other side of this, there is an entrance place. And he walked up the steps and, and the guard, that, the, the Muslim guard that guards people from coming in making sure that they're not Jews, he, he was buffaloed, he was subdued, and, and, and he just didn't know how to treat the prime minister of Israel coming. And, and that prime minister walked on to the Temple Mount in this area back here and had a press conference saying, Jews can be on the Temple Mount. This is the place for us. We have a right uh, to be here. And an and intifada started that night and hundreds of, of, of Jews and Muslims lost their lives because of the, the conflict that occurred after a Jewish man walked on that Temple Mount. Jesus said, it's going to be destroyed. You're going to have enemies all around you. And basically what Jesus said, the Jewish understanding of their worship, of their atonement, of their plan of salvation is going to be done away with because they missed the coming of the Messiah. 
That's prophecy. That has been fulfilled. Let's look at slide number three. Now, the temple not being there speaks to me deeply. The fact that, that their great enemy has a huge mosque and has the Dome of the Rock on that Temple Mount. They believe that inside of that, that golden dome that you saw there, been, I've been in there one time, me and Susan got to go in there just one time, and, and there's a rock inside there, and, and many believe Mount Moriah, the very place where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice, but from that rock is the third holiest uh, site for the Muslim faith, and they believe that Muhammad rode a white horse into heaven from that, that place. There, there's a little cave right up beneath that rock, a little, an indenture where you can walk into the rock, and, and there's horse hair that's in there, and they'll tell you that that's hair from his horse. Yeah, I believe that. But the words of Jesus are true. This is the western wall. So go back to slide one, please. This is the eastern wall. This is that western wall right there. So this is on the other side looking this direction. So slide, slide three. This is as close as the Jews can get to where their temple stood. That's it. You've heard of the Wailing Wall. This is the men's side. The ladies' side is over here. There's a, there's a fence that goes down between. Here you see some Jews getting ready for their prayer time. They wash their hands in, in this uh, little fountain to be clean before they walk into their holy place. And the reason why it's called the Wailing Wall is because it's a place where the Jews wail. Because it's the closest they can get to their plan of salvation, to their atonement. It's as close as they can get. And Jesus said, not one stone will, will stand when the time of judgment comes. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. The words of Jesus have come true. There's no more temple. Now, when you hear these words of Jesus, Matthew 24, not one stone will be left unturned. Luke chapter 19, because you missed the time of your visitation, not one stone will be left upon each other. It should move in your spirit. Your spirit should be pierced by His Spirit to believe. To believe. There's no other explanation for this. There, there's no way that man could have come up with this. This wasn't orchestrated by a bunch of religious dudes making this happen. There's no way in the world that any other power other than Rome at that particular time could have pulled this off. 
A bunch of Christian crusaders didn't go in there and knock this temple down. It was impossible to do. There's no other explanation that Jesus is the Lord of all. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And if these words of Jesus are true, then the words about Jesus' love, Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' resurrection are true as well. And so if you're without faith, if you're watching this on the internet today, if you're without faith and you've been wondering, you're just not quite sure whether or not Jesus is who the Scripture says that He is, this piece of prophecy should give you all that's required and needed for you to believe. And so if you're here today and you're not, you have not believed in Jesus for your salvation, you have not turned your life over to Him, Will you believe at this moment? Overwhelming proof. The temple is gone. Jesus said it would be gone. It was torn down by the Romans in a horrific fashion. The words of Jesus are true. Will you believe? You say, I just want to lead you to believe today. So if you, if, if you would just, from your own heart, just pray to the Lord. And, and, and if you're at home and and you're going, you say, I want to believe. I want to believe. I, 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 and you sense the Holy Spirit speak into your heart. Just very simply, cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, you've, you, you're giving me the ability to believe. Lord, I, I feel you making me aware that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and Lord, I, I, I want to be your child. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, forgive me of my unbelief. Forgive me, Lord, of my stubbornness. Forgive me that, that I've lived my life without trusting in what Jesus did for me on the cross. Lord, I, I, I now believe in You. I receive You. I trust You. I repent of my sin. Lord, thank You for forgiving my sin. I repent. Lord, I, I, with all my heart, I, I mean to follow You, to serve You. I'm going to live for You. Lord, I believe in You. And if you have prayed that prayer with me, you have been born again. The Holy Spirit has done that. He's regenerated you. It's nothing we have done. There's no magic words. You have prayed and invited Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And you're believing in Him. If, if you're a believer today, and hearing these words of Jesus, hearing that Jesus said that the, the temple will be torn down, and, and the Holy Spirit has just, it's just convicted you of being backslidden. It's convicted you of, of uh, not being who you said at one time you would be for Christ. And the Holy Spirit just makes you aware. Just just communicates to you that you need to return to loving Jesus again. You need to return to living for Him again. Perhaps like you once did. And, and you need to renew your commitment to Christ. You need to uh, repent and turn back to Him and live for Him. And it's just a very simple conversation with the Lord the Holy Spirit has already brought you to the place where you need to be. And so, believer, if you would just say to the Lord today, Lord, I hear you speak to me.
I sense your spirit showing me that I need to repent. I need to return to my first love. I I need to love Jesus with all my heart again. I I need to repent of some of the activities I've been involved in. I need to repent of some of my attitudes I've developed. I need to repent of some fear that I've been going through today. I I need to repent and return to you, Lord, and be your faithful servant. Lord, I, I, I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of all. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just forgive me. I return to right walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, he heard your prayer. He listened to prayer. We have a promise that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've returned into a right walk with the Lord. What right walk with the Lord? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that was sent to pay the price of our sin. And the fact that the temple, let's look at slide one. That magnificent temple is gone. Look at slide two. It's gone. And in its place, it's not, it's not a Mormon temple. It's not a Jehovah Witness building. It's not a Scientology complex. It's their most hated enemy. It's the third holiest place for the Islamic faith. Jesus said, because you missed the time of your visitation, your enemies will surround you. He's Lord of all. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your words of prophecy. We're thankful for the truth that Jesus spoke to us. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.